This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Tuesday morning to you, Mike, Mike McNamara, blah, 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 blah. Mike McNamara in for the Tuesday edition of All Marine Radio. I want to thank Ohio Man for alerting me that my live stream was down. yesterday and I looked at the stats and it said 21 people were listening live at the time and um, I said yeah you're the only one who's responding so my thanks to him for letting me know so I could that's good I, uh, again not really sure what happens but you know, people do software updates, right? I mean, you download them all the time and shit. A lot of time that affects. So I, I don't know. It must have been a software update to the software that governs the live feed that changed the setting in there. And um, yeah. And so, there you go. So anyway, that's fixed. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I also had a, other, another great triumph yesterday. I, um, I was fighting with the bathtub in Colleen's bathroom. Yeah, you know, you know that's got like a ton of hair and cream rinse and crap in it. And so I snaked it. And, you know, the snake was down there like three feet, but it still didn't hit whatever was stopping it. And so I watched a series of YouTube videos and um, I did 
you know, the first guy I watched was he snaked it, you know, and it worked. Mine did not. And so I concluded that the whatever whatever the blockage was was further down the pipe. So then I saw another guy. He said, I just use a shop vac, right? I take a I take a towel and I I plug the um the overflow outlet. Right, that's in a bathtub that normally sits just underneath the um, uh, the spigot for the water, and so um, that sits underneath there. And you, um, yeah. So I I took that out and then I snaked it. Well, I, I already said I snaked it, but what I did was I, I, I stuck a towel in that and I got my shot back and I sucked all the water out. And the rationale was suck all the water out and because what you put in in terms of to dissolve the thing got so diluted that it probably could not have had the effect that you wanted it to have. So suck all the water out, let this stuff get down to the clog pure and concentrated and then see what happens. So that's what I did. And I and then so I did it and I thought it drained a little bit quicker, but it didn't have the impact that I thought the first time. So I sucked it all out a second time and I resolved that I would let that stuff sit um, for about eight hours and I did. And then when I got ready to um um, I got ready to test it. I would dump boiling water, not hot water, boiling water into that. And so hopefully melt whatever wasn't gotten by the chemical compound. So I did that and it worked. That's right. The water, the water went down. I was so happy. Then I dumped more boiling water. So I, did, I had two big spaghetti pots boiling up for it. Yeah. Yep. And um yeah, it worked. And so then just to make sure I did it again. Colleen went to work, dumped that stuff. Um the stuff I bought at Home Depot, talked to the guys there, they said, Oh no, use this stuff. I should post a picture of it. Um they said this is a, this stuff always works. I said, Okay. And it comes with a plastic bag around it. So you're like you're looking at it going, holy shit, man! This stuff is legit. And so, um, yeah. So then I did it again, and uh, tasked Colleen with going by a little bit of a filter that now occupies um, the drain. And so hopefully we'll we will not have to be doing this uh, again for a while. So excited about that. But yeah, but again, you know how you're, when you fight those things and they don't work and it just pisses you off and you're doing the things you're supposed to do, you're, you know, you've done your YouTube diligence. Yeah. And then ultimately you win. That made me happy. Yeah, it was, I won't say it was a highlight of day, but it was, it was one of the highlights of my day yesterday. So, uh, yeah. Um, Interesting stuff going on in addition to, obviously, the war in Russia v. Ukraine, right? Um, uh, 
the general officer of the Marine Corps, my understanding is they had a meeting with the commandant not too long ago. And um, I don't know how the meeting went. Um, but what I would say is, is there has been um, two letters that have been published in the last couple weeks. One of them by um, General Sheehan, Jack Sheehan. Um, so these are general officers in the Marine Corps, right? So the one in uh, General Sheehan's article in the Wall Street Journal um, is entitled Wasteful Spending, a Shrinking Force, and the Marine Corps' Big Bet. General Jack Sheehan, Major General Arnold Punaro, and Joshua Muravich. So, um, and then yesterday, at some point, um, I started getting forward to me an article that appeared in Marine Corps Times written by probably one of the smartest Marines I've ever been around personally, and that is uh, Lieutenant General Paul K. Van Riper, United States Marine Corps, retired. Um, it's entitled Jeopardizing National Security. What is happening to our Marine Corps? Question mark. So um, in a very public way, uh, three and four star general officers are taking the commandant on. And, um, and, and I, I would say this, the fact that this is going on so long into his commandancy, uh, first of all, it's General Berger's responsibility. Uh, the alumni is a, is a huge asset to the Marine Corps. I mean, guys with you know, incredible life experience as Marine leaders, right, in combat, out of combat, and um, a great understanding of what the Marine Corps is, what the Marine Corps is to the nation, and they're not happy. And again, these guys, it, it, you know, so, so the concepts that are being discussed in Force Design 2030, it's not that these guys can't understand them. These guys fundamentally disagree with, with what General Berger's doing with the Marine Corps. And he's had two years to convince him. And if and you notice that nobody, no general officers come out and endorse what General Berger's doing. And so what I would tell you is that, again, that this should have happened, you know, a couple years ago. To get everybody in the room and let's knock down drag out. Let's get to let's get to ground truth. Let's find out what's best, knowing that there's certain things we have to do to modern modernize the force. You know what is good, what is bad. Well, again, uh, for two years this fight has gone on below the surface, but not anymore. And so you see a couple of uh, a couple of very interesting letters that have been published, and I dare I say there's more to follow. And so what is the fight going to be about? Well, the fight's going to be about the future of the Marine Corps. It's going to be done uh, with congressional leaders. Uh, it's going to be over, you know, things like who is the next commandant and what direction will that person take the Marine Corps in. So, um, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Pretty interesting stuff. The Mensa brothers won't join join me today. 
you're going to meet Ken Kirkaby. He is a friend of Jeff Kenny. Now, Ken wrote a letter to the editor of the Wall Street Journal responding to something that was written. In, in the letter is something that we talked about, um, this whole idea of not being afraid with a nuclear power to stand up for what's right and do the right thing. And Ken cites the example of Nixon, Nixon relative to Israel in the 1973 war when the, the Egyptians were making a shit ton of progress and <clears throat> sponsored by the, the, the Soviet Union. And, uh, and so we've been talking about that for probably the last week, uh, Ken's uh, article and his, and his, and his proposition, you know, so how do you treat this whole nuclear thing? Do you give them the mix? And, and again, uh, there's some things that I've done that have been, um, I did because of trying to apply footnotes. I say, look, the MIGs aren't that important. And so what you're going to hear, you know, Ken talk about is um, this fight, nuclear proliferation, and what we have to be willing to do relative to nuclear powers. So Will and I disagreed over the uh, I really, in in the discussion, the nuance of was it a was it a parallel? Was it a good example? And I I I said I didn't think it was because I didn't think that you know for Brezhnev at the time who led the Soviet Union, you know Israel wasn't an existential threat, right? So if if Egypt loses and ultimately, you know, uh, we'll. I don't know how you would characterize that. I mean, fought to a stalemate. <clears throat> but had had it gone all upside down on Egypt, it's not an existential threat to Brezhnev. So I think that is one of the things that, that makes this, the nuclear confrontation that the world dances around um, in this whole... Russia versus Ukraine with NATO looming in the back background. Now, one of the things you're going to hear, Ken, the, one of the points he makes, which is very valid and interesting, and I think you'll enjoy listening to him, I know you will, um, is, you know, <clears throat> we're only going to see this more and more. Iran, North Korea. So the whole idea of nuclear proliferation, you know, that ship has sailed. And so you've got to find a way to deal with you got to find a way to deal with these people. And how do you do that? I don't, you know, so again, the world's searching. And, um, and so you better find a way as the free nations of the world to deal with this. And... That's why, in my opinion, Russia has to be destroyed economically, not with nuclear weapons, but it's, it has to be brought to its knees. It has to become North Korea, you know, so the Iranians will see, so the Chinese will see. And then the West has to take steps relative to China. And this is where this is this is what's going to be very, very interesting and very, very difficult. 
because the financial capitals of the world are undermining this fight. Now, what's interesting is that they very quickly rallied to isolate Russia, but China's a different story, right? Billions of dollars to be made in China. How did the how do the financial capitals of the world turn their back on that? So the West is going to have to do some soul-searching, right, evaluation, and then law-passing relative to what can and cannot be done with China. So anyway, Ken, I think, begins that discussion and, and more than happy to entertain it. And uh, so you're going to get a chance to meet him. We'll, we'll check the news real quick, which is has been our custom. And um, yeah, and then I'll just uh, I'll post the links to both these. Uh, I'll post if you, actually if you go to the Wall Street Journal page for those of you that subscribe. And let me tell you, you can get a, you can get a digital subscription to the Wall Street Journal for four bucks a month. On, on some test, and then just let it run out, and then get another one. Yeah. That's what I do. So if you if you go to your Wall Street Journal thing, and just type in Sheehan, S-H-E-E-H-A-N. And up pops um, the article entitled Wasteful Spending, a Shrinking Force, and the Marine Corps' Big Bet, written by General Jack Sheehan, Major General Arnold Pinaro, and Joshua Murabich on U.S. military spending. So, and then the, um, the other uh, article is the one written by uh, General Van Riper. And I would expect this is not going to be the last of, of these articles that you see, that you are going to see a lot more. As the alumni essentially click off safe, unhappy about uh, what you know they've experienced relative to it. And... Um, and let it be known. Let it be known. And so uh, it'll be very interesting um, to watch this thing play out in public. And, uh, yeah, you don't normally see it like this, but... Right? I guess it will be what it will be. And uh, so, again, uh, interesting, interesting stuff. So, good morning to you. The United States Marine Corps Band uh, makes this morning official. Uh, we'll do this. We'll check the weather. And um, and then uh, you'll hear Ken Kirkaby. And, again, his, his he wrote an, an art, this letter that he wrote that he, they CC'd us on, me on, and, and Will and Jeff and, and Tim um, he sent to the Wall Street Journal. They, in turn, <laughs> they, in turn, butchered it and, uh, and screwed it up. And, you, know, you know, they put a headline on it. You know, they do different things. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, yeah, not so much. So anyway, um, good morning to you. Uh, thanks for listening. And here's the United States Marine Corps band. This dedicated everybody's going to participate in this debate about the Marine Corps. Um, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about being around the people who I looked up to in the Marine Corps was um, their honesty and their willingness to fight for what they believed in. So to me, this is a discussion that, that should have been had a couple years ago. And I'm not exactly sure why it didn't happen, you know. And and probably the responsibility of the uh, for that, you know, lays at the feet of the commandant. He's in charge. Okay, so I mean, if you own it, then you own it, and he owns it. And so the fact that this would fester for so long, probably not a good thing for the Marine Corps. And and certainly the fact that this debate is going to be held in a very public way. <clears throat> and again. Um, these people that are part of this debate, they have they have friends in Congress, right? And so what is this fight ultimately going to be over? Is it going to be they're asserting control over the direction, not only the direction of the Marine Corps, but who's going to be the next commandant? Is that where this goes? Um, so, um, yeah, so, but, but again— what they taught me, and again, this show is kind of a tribute to some of them, in particular General Zinni. And General Zinni was General Van Riper, um, two peas in a pod, although <laughs> the Van Riper part of the pod is a little bit different. Um, I've gotten to know General Van Riper um, since the time I knew him when I was a captain, and he's a very intimidating guy. And 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 I judged him for that, I, and I shouldn't have, but being young and stupid, I did. Uh, General Zinni, much more welcoming, much more easy to be around, um, and so. Um, but they affected the way they affect this. This discussion is, you know, the truth is important, and you you can't be afraid to fight about it. Uh, you can have a good time with it. 
But ultimately, at the end of the day, because people we're going to play You Bet Your Life, the truth is really, really important. And so it's that group of guys that is willing to, to go to the mat on this issue now in public, right? Now in public. And I think it's up to the commandant to uh, to be able to answer, and then we'll see where this goes. So uh, this is dedicated to that debate um, and the future of the Marine Corps. Good luck. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> <laughs> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Who will you see appear in print now? Who will you I'm trying to adjust the audio. Who will you see appear in print, and who will you not see appear in print? Just as interesting. So anyway, we'll check the weather right now. Something a little bit more normal. Yeah, the general officer of the Marine Corps going to get it on in public. Whoa! Yeah. Let's do this shit, boys and girls. Um... 
Oh, yeah, the weather. Currently in Quantico, it is sunny in 61 down the coast at Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point. It is sunny in 66, 29 Palms. Sunny 64 already. Pendleton, sunny in 61. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy and 68. Okinawa, dark cloudy, 65. In Darwin, which happens to be in Australia, it is raining, dark and 78. Yeah, how about that? Cold wave going through Australia. If Darwin's at 78 in the evening, and in Kiev, it is mostly sunny and 57 degrees. So that's late in the day. Normally, Kiev's high is about three degrees warmer than that. So they got up to 60 today, which has an impact on military operations this time of year as the ground begins to thaw. So uh, that is a look at your weather. We'll take a look at news headlines right now. And then as I said, Ken Kirkaby. Yeah, you're gonna get a chance to meet a friend of Jeff Kenny's. How about that? And uh, yeah, so no, Kirk, great guy. Um, top headlines today in uh, Stars and Stripes. Top headline is U.S. poised to have three armored brigades in Europe at once as troop numbers climb. So again, um, with not so much fanfare, right? Um, the United States building up troop numbers in Europe. Okay, another article. The United States has 100,000 troops in Europe for the first time since 2005. And again, with very little fanfare, just so you know. Next headline, NATO tasked to, quote, reset with more forces for long-term challenges posed by Russia. The um, And again, some of the things you're seeing is, you know, the United States used to devote, what, 9% of its GDP to defense? Went down to 7, now we're, what, at 2, 3? Yeah, that should probably change. So those are some those are the top stories in uh, Stars and Stripes. The um, top top headline in the Wall Street Journal is Ukrainians flee as Russian forces push to take Mariupol. And now you're starting to see stories like this. Moldova says refugee crisis is straining its health system. Next headline, U.S. is sending Soviet air defense systems it secretly acquired to the Ukraine. And you're starting to see more and more um, kind of uh, fighting articles from the front. 
It's an article in the Wall Street Journal today. Ukraine's troops fight a war of ambush and skirmish against Russian invaders. Using weapons supplied by NATO, Kiev targets Moscow's weak points and supply lines. Yeah, that's how you do it. So anyway, uh, interesting stories there. Top stories in New York Times today. Russia struggles to gain ground as civilian toll grows. Uh, Subheadline, Biden to travel to NATO summit this week. Another story, how Ukraine's outgunned air force is beating back Russian jets. So that in the news. In the Washington Post, uh, Dan Lamoth, I would tell you, does is doing good work relative to this. Top headline is, Ukraine says it has recaptured a Kiev sub- suburb. So that in the news. President Zelensky says some cities have been bombed beyond recognition. Uh, again, that's all they can do. They can only go into the cities when they're abandoned because they don't have, again, they don't have the ass to fight for them. Top story in Marine Corps Times. Top story in in, uh, USNI News is the intentions of Russians' amphibious warships in the Black Sea is still unclear. So you see these articles. um, You see these articles talking about... um, Amphibious operations in the vicinity of Odessa, yada, yada, yada. Um, But not so much else. So again, a little update there. Um, Another story. Navy pilots are flying dozens of daily Russian deterrence missions from the USS Harry Truman, which we talked about yesterday in the Adriatic. In the Aegean Sea, which is south of the Adriatic. Uh, One other story that kind of caught my eye this morning. Navy has exceeded 500 COVID-19 vaccine-related separations. See if they give Marine Corps numbers in the article. Written by Heather Mongilio. Of the branches, the Navy has the second most separations behind the Marine Corps. As of March 16th, 1,174 Marines were separated due to a refusal to get vaccinated against COVID, an increase of 136 since March 9th. The Air Force has separated 212. <laughs> the Army made its first separations this past week. So the Army is what, three times the Marine Corps, some shit like that? They separated three soldiers this past week. What the fuck? Marine Corps separated 1,174. Get the fuck. Unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, we told you to get vaccinated. You said no? Get the fuck out. Um, yeah. I mean, I. If, hey, if those are the rules, those are the rules. Top story in uh, Marine Corps Times. As the president of the United States, Biden, Russia is mulling cyber attacks on the U.S. Um, 
And then here's the article written by uh, Lieutenant General Paul K. Van Riper, United States Marine Corps retired. Headline under the under the uh, heading of commentary: Jeopardizing national security. Colon. What is happening to our Marine Corps? And uh, <clears throat> General Van Riper kind of outlines when he joined the Marine Corps, and a Marine Corps that was, you know, under the heading of first to fight. And he kind of goes through his career. And I'll, I'll read you the last part of it. 66 years later, I still consider myself a Marine. But I am saddened beyond belief knowing that our Marine Corps soon will no longer be the, the ready combined arms force that our nation has long depended upon when its interests were threatened. It will soon be a force shorn of all its tanks, 76% of its cannon artillery, 41% fewer Marines in its infantry battalions. To make the situation even worse, there will be 33% fewer aircraft available to support riflemen on the ground. These divestitures were and are being made to provide the resources for three Marine littoral regiments designed to support naval campaigns for sea denial and sea control by firing anti-ship missiles. So the Marine Corps will trade its combined arms flexibility for a very specialized mission that the U.S. Army already can provide in greater numbers than the Marine Corps ever will. Moreover, for as long as eight years, the Marine Corps will be neither the powerful force, will be neither the powerful forcible entry force in readiness it has been for decades, nor the specialized anti-ship force of the future, neither fish nor fowl, which will seriously jeopardize national security. This is a risk not worth taking. To that end, the Corps will have more space experts, cyber warriors, influence specialists, missileers, and others with unique skills, many of which already are provided by other elements of the Joint Force. But it will only have them because it gave up Marines prepared to close with and destroy the enemy. The Corps will no longer will become something unrecognizable to those legions of Marines who went before. No longer will it be the Corps I served and loved for so many years, but a mere shadow of what it once, of what once was a feared fighting force, exclamation mark. He ends with this. Marines, how could we let this happen? Question mark. So uh, you can find that. I'll put the link to it to it in this post, but you can find it if you go to Marine Corps Times. Yeah. As I said, I mean, this is not going to be the last article you read like that. Uh, people that wore three and four stars uh, that are genuinely concerned have uh, kept their dissent uh, in very close circles. Um, but now, uh, seemingly, um, are willing to go public with it. And again, I've seen letters written by General Gray about the Marine Corps becoming a nuanced force designed for one fight, how that, how that cannot happen. But again, all this kept on pretty much on the down low. And uh, so we will see uh, where this all goes. Top five stories in early bird, and then we'll check some operational headlines, and then you'll hear Ken Kirkaby. Number one, Biden puts Putin—Biden says Putin is weighing the use of chemical weapons in Ukraine— 
Uh, number two, DOD overhauls its body composition and body and fitness policy. Next headline, a sign of the times, question mark. The DOD skips publishing weekly COVID-19 numbers. Next is pornified, I don't know what that is, culture preventing military efforts to combat sex crime. Story written by Jeff Zulowitz, who we love, right? Uh, next headline, soldiers integrate air defense for the first time in a major Alaska exercise. Um, overseas headlines, EU nations circle the wagons in a new strategic compass. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, again, Europe largely disarmed unilaterally to have militaries that were simply... Um, shells of what they used to be now has to relook at that as war comes to Europe once again and we relearn the lessons that only the dead have seen the end of war we, we learn the lesson at the highest levels of government that the way to assure that there is conflict is to be weak right and that Angela Merkel and her bullshit right laid the foundation, her utopian, oh, Europe has to be, has to include Russia, right? This whole American narrative of Russia as a threat, pff, come on, we're over that. Right. Has anybody seen her? Has anybody, has she made a remark in public since this whole bullshit started that she was so instrumental in bringing to the world? haven't seen her. Interesting. Same thing with the guy who preceded her, who went to work for the Russians. What is that, Gerhard Schroeder or some shit like that? Um, smaller bombs that could turn uranium into a nuclear war zone. Pretty interesting article in the New York Times written by a guy named William Braun talks about the use of smaller tactical nuclear weapons. Um, I, I, I would again uh, say this to you, and I'll go through it here in a minute. But uh, I, I think probably the most concise and well-done page is owned by Al Jazeera relative to this conflict. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Ukraine military tells residents to brace for indiscriminate Russian shelling. I think that they've already probably done that. Article in Reuters, Russia may not stop with Ukraine. NATO looks to its weakest link. Um, I, I have to tell you this. It's not like the Russian military is acquitting itself well here. If you were a foreign military, you wouldn't be so much afraid of this. And then from the Wall Street Journal, U.S. sending Soviet anti-air defense systems it secretly acquired to Ukraine. Um, let me go through the Al Jazeera page with you real quick.
Ukraine's update, Zelensky rejects Moscow's ultimatum. Um, latest news. President Vladimir Zelensky said Ukraine cannot fulfill Russians, Russian ultimatums and accused Moscow of seeking to destroy the country. Two, Moscow has warned ties with Washington are close to rupturing after U.S. President Joe Biden last week labeled his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin as a war criminal. Odessa's mayor says Russian forces have struck buildings on the outskirts of the, of the key Black Sea port city for the first time. A new curfew has been announced in Kiev after deadly attacks killed eight people in the city. Russia has banned Facebook and Instagram after labeling their parent company, Meta, as an extremist organization. Then they have a pretty good map, I, I think, which is actually it's one of the best maps I've seen. That's why I say this. Um, so you'll see they have, they have areas on the map labeled um, Russian-controlled. Um, you see the Donbass area outlined clearly. So, I mean, it's, it's, and I like maps. I'm a map guy. Uh, I like it. Um, give me one second here. All right. Um, the focal point of the fighting, or the focus of the fighting is Maripol, a, a strategically important southern port that has suffered some of the heaviest bombardments since the invasion began. Many of its 400,000 residents remain trapped as fighting rages around them. Russian artillery continue to pound the eastern cities of Kharkov, Kharkiv, Sumy, and Chernihiv. And again, think about that. We are almost a month into this, and the easternmost cities in the northeastern part of the nation have not, have not fallen yet. A Ukrainian news outlet is reporting air raid sirens in almost every region of the country. The Pentagon says Russia is boosting air and sea military operations in Ukraine, flying more than 300 missions in the past 24 hours. The refugee number now sits at 3.5 million that have left Ukraine and 6.5 million that have been internally displaced. Two million Ukrainians have gone to Poland, a half a million to Romania, 365,000 to Moldova, crazy numbers, 300,000 to Hungary, a quarter of a million to Slovakia. Sanctions, European Union cannot agree on whether or how to impose sanctions on Russia's lucrative energy sector. Germany says the bloc is too dependent on Russian oil for that. So, so as this thing goes on, as the people of these nations watch this, right, this thing's become a more a, a more and more difficult proposition for the people of these nations to say, we're funding this. There's no other way. Uh, relative to diplomacy, peace talks have resumed, but no significant progress is made. The president of Ukraine... President Zelensky says he's ready for talks with Vladimir Putin in any format. The UN General 
Assembly is expected to vote again this week on a motion criticizing Russia for its humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. Again, if, if, if the United Nations is worthless in this, what the fuck is it even there for? The kabuki dance where, you know, the major powers can block anything. Well, what use is that? I don't, I don't really understand it. Facebook, Instagram have been banned by the Kremlin. Congratulations to them. So the, the, those are, that's the major news headlines. And uh, again, um, what you're going to hear next is, uh, is Ken Kirkby. And Kirk uh, wrote an op-ed piece, uh, actually a letter to the editor of the Wall Street Journal, uh, talking about uh, what the United States should be doing. And so uh, without further ado, um, Ken Kirkby um, now lives in Texas, born and raised, I think, uh, in New Jersey. And so, uh, again, I will post the links to both uh, General Van Riper's letter and General Sheehan's letter. But uh, that's the other interesting headline this morning. Uh, if you're part of the Marine Corps family and part of the Marine Corps culture and if you followed General Berger's Force Design 2030 and you scratched your head at some of it, um, you're now seeing some of the um, members of the Marine Corps Alumni Association that have incredible standing on Capitol Hill that are publicly um, publicly blasting the Commandant of the Marine Corps and are, are now wanting to contest, I, I imagine, the funding of his initiatives with members of Congress and ultimately, probably, I would, I would imagine, who's going to be the next Commandant. And, and so General Berger is going to go through some serious shit. And, and again, this has all been done on the down low. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting discussion. And, uh, again, going to be fascinating. And you know what? As I said, I think the responsibility for this has to, you know, is General Berger's. These guys are incredibly smart, experienced combat leaders. And so if you're going to take the Marine Corps and do something drastic and you can't convince them that this is the right thing to do, then either you're a genius or you're doing something really wrong. And these guys are all really smart, sophisticated leaders, right? And so, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. So without further ado, though, this is uh, Ken Kirkaby if I can get my act together here, talking about um, his letter that he wrote to the Wall Street Journal. And I will get my act together, so give me a second here. Joining me is uh, somebody who's listened to the program. Uh, I was first introduced to him because Jeff Kenny used to tell me about how smart this guy was. And his name's Ken Kirkaby. No, goes by Kirk. And so I want to uh, former Marine, and so we're gonna, we're going to talk to him. He wrote a he wrote a letter to the editor of the Wall Street Journal, and actually we've discussed um, because he shared the letter with us, and uh, and so I wanted to have Kirk on to talk about um, uh, his his letter, and but before we do that, like everybody that comes on All Marine Radio, we've got to meet him. And, and figure out what the fuck he is. So if we, we can know if he sm passes the, Smith, the smell test, because we're Marines and that's what we do. So first of all, 
Kirk, welcome to uh, All Marine Radio. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, you guys do a great job. So keep up the good work. I never miss a uh, podcast. Well, I don't know how good it is, but thank you. Um, it, but I will say this. it's always It always tends to be entertaining. That's for sure. Um, quality, I can't really vouch for on a daily basis, but we try. Um, first of all, tell us about you. Born and raised where? Uh, East Coast. I uh, grew up in New Jersey, right? Right. Uh, in a rural part of the state and later uh, down by the Jersey Shore and spent most of my young life fishing and hunting and stuff like that. I was real kind of an outdoors kid, loved that kind of stuff. And uh, went in the Marine Corps in 1974. How old? How old? Uh, 19. Why? Um, you know, I was at college. I went one semester to college and I met this guy who had been a grunt in Vietnam, right? And right. he was, you know, not too long back. And I didn't know anything about the Marine Corps. I talked to the Army recruiter and, you know, I got hanging out with this guy and he's he a pretty funny guy. And he was up by the Z. I didn't know anything about the Marine Corps then. He's up by the DMZ, probably in third or fourth Marines, I would guess. And uh, he told me what it was actually like and I was just amazed, all right? Like I said to him, you know, like, was it really bad? I would, you know, ask him a dumb question like that. And he'd go, eh. he said, the only time I was really miserable was when I was drinking out of puddles and going through garbage dumps to find food. Right. I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> I said, so what'd you guys do? Go out and like sleep in tents at night and stuff. <laughs> and he just kind of laughed and he go, no, nah, we didn't have any tents. <laughs> and that's how, and that's what you got. You fascinated with the Marine Corps. Yeah. I was just got real, you know, I was really thinking about going in the service, but that kind of closed. It, it was, this guy. So uh, I remember when it was, it was in Miami, right? Where I was going to college and they found a dead guy in the Miami river. Right. So they pulled him out and Mike was the only guy that would go near. <laughs> <laughs> they, had a, they had a tarp over the guy and Mike picks it up and looks at the guy. And then he looks at everybody that's, you know, like standing back like 20 feet. Oh, it's just really funny. And I'm thinking, Oh, this guy's far out. Anyhow, I don't know what brought that up. Oh, funny. Yeah, it's a funny story. So anyhow, as soon as I got back uh, after the summer, I, I joined up and, you know, did my thing there at Paris Island. Had a great senior drill instructor, Staff Sergeant Hignite, who at that time was a Staff Sergeant. He was a major hero. He was the oldest uh, drill instructor on Paris Island. He was 36, and he had seen some shit. Now, if you want to do some research on Hignite, don't take my word for it. Get Joe Walter's book, Strength in Numbers. And that Joe Walters was his platoon commander, right? And Walters uh, finally lost a leg, but he discusses a lot of stuff that he talks about. Ignite, great book, okay, great guy, and Ignite was just tremendous. Uh, Di, <clears throat> fearless guy with uh, he was like a legend of the Marine Corps when I was there, right? Right. So I had him for my senior. Graduated and I had a two-year enlistment, no guarantee, and they wound up sending me to Intel School in Coronado, right, Coronado Island. And so, wait, wait. So this is seventy-four. This is seventy-four, uh, right? Uh -huh. So I went there, and the, I think the course was about oh maybe four weeks, five weeks, and did pretty pretty well in the school. They let you pick where you want to go, right? Right. So you you pick by how well you do in the school. So I didn't know what to pick, and I saw this Fatima. Right? right? And I'm going, where's this Fatima? We had staff sergeants in that course, and they go, oh, it's a little helicopter base on Okinawa. I'm thinking, oh, cool, helicopters. That sounds really cool. 
I didn't know anything about it, you know. So I go, okay, I'll go. And they needed another guy. And I had this friend, Bernardi, who was at sick bay that way, sick bay that day getting a tooth pulled, right? So I said, Bernardi wants to go there too. And they go, okay. So he put his name down. So he comes back from sick bay. I said, you're going to Okinawa with me, right? That's the kind of jokes we used to play on each other. <laughs> so we get to Okinawa and uh, a sergeant, it's at night, and a sergeant gets on the bus. They go, what did they tell you guys about Vietnam? And I go, nothing, the war's over, right? We're all looking at each other. He goes, nah. He says, we just sent two squadrons to Da Nang, and we're sending two more at the end of the month. Is anybody in 164 or 165? I didn't even know. So I look at my orders, I go, yeah, I'm in 164. Yeah, it's one of the ones that's going, right? So I go, oh, cool. So within a month, okay, we embarked for Operation Frequent Wind. Oh, fuck, big. yeah. Yeah, big thing. And so were, were, were you in Saigon during, uh, during frequent wind? I was on the float that went down there. First, we went to Cambodia for the Phnom Penh thing, okay? Right. And 462 was the squadron of 53s that went in and got the people out. And my little squadron of 46s, uh, CH-46s, <clears throat> flew SAR for them going into uh, Phnom Penh. All right. Okay. So um, we were just like hovering around waiting for them to have a problem. They didn't. We did that. Then we went back off station on station to the uh, area off Vung Tau. And we just flew. We just waited there. OK, for orders to go in. And finally, you know, on the 29th, I, go, I think it was in April, we started sending the first uh, planes in. Now, remember, these were just small uh small helicopters and it was a small carrier it was the hancock right? right we only had six birds from my squadron and we had a couple of cobras and a couple of hueys and uh let's see i guess there was some 53s too from from other ships like the blue ridge and whatnot but my squadron was all 46s and we flew around the clock i i went up as a sar guy but i never went into saigon right i went up and flew around over the ocean you know on the star things, but I never went right. to Saigon. They let the more experienced crews, you know, do that guys that, you know, had seen a lot of action in Vietnam and whatnot. All our pilots were really good pilots. Uh, most of them were very experienced. All right. And had been, you know, in, in combat operations before. In fact, the two uh, guys that got killed during that, that night, nice tool and Shea were, you know, former you know, uh, helicopter pilots of Vietnam, 46 pilots of Vietnam. So we did that thing. And, uh, if in that crash, we lost two pilots. The crew guys got out though. Luckily it was an empty bird. They were flying SAR <clears throat> that night. And, uh, another SAR bird got them out and almost, almost put the 46 in the water, getting them out. They got that. They got the guys out of the water and they landed on the carrier and just water poured out of this 46. And they're not supposed to be able to float, but that one did. It was amazing. They got Scotty and Wills out. And Scotty didn't know how to swim. And Wills basically saved him. It was just uh, it was just a really fast thing that they did. It was a great extraction. And, it, you know, it spoke very highly for how well those guys could fly. This was at night. Right. Right? right. And you got Arvin Birds coming in the pattern, you know, like tell everybody, around the Tell court. everybody what an Arvin Bird is. Or, a uh, South Vietnamese or Army of the Republic of South Vietnam, South Vietnamese helicopters. Okay, they were you know Hueys that the Arvins were flying, and they were just grabbing them and you know get, trying to get out of the country, 
uh, and and landing on anything they could. Right. And if they didn't have the deck space, they landed in the water. You know, uh, pretty much, they landed on the on the ships, and the ships just threw them overboard. You know, to keep the decks clear. So, but these guys are flying in, you know, no radio, no nothing, and they're flying right into our patterns. And it was a wonder that more people didn't get. So, that's how that went. Yeah, if, for the, anybody who's never seen, you know, through the wonders of YouTube, I mean, just go online and 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 just do a search on those words, right? Yeah. And um, the stuff you see is crazy. Absolutely crazy. So how do you cross paths with Kenny? All right. So I come back after being overseas for a year, right? I come back. I'm a corporal now, right? And I get to 29 Palms, and there's these two PFCs, right? One's this, like, tall, lanky guy, and the other one's built like a tank. <laughs> and, he's, and he's wearing the birth control, you know, eyeglasses, right? And he's looking at me with a real dubious eye, and I'm thinking to myself, man, what a drip this guy looks like, right? <laughs> Little did I know he would turn out to be a fun-loving guy, right? That was Kenny. <laughs> he was 18. Yeah, he, he was a real tough kid. He was 18. He'd only been in the Marine Corps for like, you know, a couple of months, I guess, at that point. And he was, you know, he was his honor man at a boot camp, right? And uh, you could tell he was, he was really going to be a good Marine. He, he identified with the Marine Corps. He was a real tough kid. He was smart, you know. Uh, his sense of humor was more twisted than mine, you know? So we got to be good friends and uh, we wound up renting one of those little uh, center block houses out in the desert. You know, that's where we stayed. And then after I got out, he had other occupants in there with him. But I guess I was at 29 Palms for about seven months. So that's how I met Kenny. The, uh, okay, so do you stay in? Do you get out? And then where does life take you? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you ever... Share living quarters with Kenny? No, no, no. I, I'm I'm smarter than most of the people that you hear on my All podcast. Right, you know the guys. You know the guys a total slob. Man. I no, I've heard that. I've never All really right. experienced it though. He could foul an area. All right, with no concern for human life. <clears throat> it was like the odd couple. Like I was the guy always trying to be clean, you know, and he was a slob all the time. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an indictment on you for being so stupid as to live. That's with how I spent my my. Ending days in the Marine Corps is picking up after Kenny. Yeah, well, there you go. So you get out of the Marine Corps. What happens to you? What do you become? Everything. You know, I tried this, that, the other thing. I knew I wanted to go in some kind of business, but I didn't know what. Right. I had a very interesting job for a long time, and I did very well at it. I was a field rep for American Body Armor. Okay, oh, no shit. Vest, right. Yeah, for cops. So I'd go around giving demos, okay, and uh, shoot myself from time to time with body armor on, which was, you know, You'll do anything when you're broke, let me tell you. <laughs> so I did that. I did that for, oh, God, probably like three four years. And like I say, I was going to stay in it, and I was going to get into fundraising, all right? Because at right. that time, I was helping the police departments raise money so they could buy the vests. Right. And I said, this isn't very hard. I could probably do this as, a, you know, as an adjunct to what I was doing. So anyhow, I did that for a while. It worked out good. But I was always interested in companies and stocks and stuff like that. So I had a stockbroker. I would buy like two shares of a stock, you know, with all the money I had. And he goes, you know, you seem to like this. Why don't you get in it? This guy was an old guy. He was one of the Flying Tigers with General Chanel. Get out. China. Yeah. His name was Cyrus Poley. Cool guy. And I said, 
well, you know, I'd like to, but I don't know how to go about it. He says, oh, I just get a firm to sponsor you and take the test, whatever. So that's what I did. And I quit the vest business and I started, uh, I just became what was then a retail stockbroker, like in the movie Wall Street, right? And 38 years later, still there. <laughs> now, you're also, a, you're also a writer. You've written, th- yeah. you've written three books. Um, tell us about, um, first of all, where does it come from? And uh, what are the books about? The writing, yeah. Well, I wrote for an, for a uh, national outdoor magazine, mostly for a couple of them, but mostly sporting classics, okay, over the years. Had a good editor there. This guy, Chuck Weschler, really uh, was really the reason I got to write so much for him. And then I wrote a novel in uh, 96 about three guys on a fishing trip in the Bahamas. And there's like a half-assed romance in there, you know. And the protagonist is a former Navy guy. And then the next novel I wrote, Red Stick One, the protagonist is a former Marine uh, recon guy. All right. And he's a half Creek Indian. And his big thing in life is he can read tracks better than anybody. Right. So he um, he winds up being uh, uh, taken in by a game warden when he's a kid. And then he becomes a game warden. Uh, also goes to the Marine Corps and in the end, he tracks down a killer, all right? Uh, that's really the, the central dynamic of the book. In the second Red Stick, Red Stick 2, they, uh, his, his Marine intel guy calls him up to, to, to go to South America and find an uh, American engineer that's been uh, kidnapped by the Shining Path. So he goes down there and links up with a, another agency guy, and they find him. So author, financial guy, former Marine, what else do we know? I uh, need to know about you before we talk about your letter to the editor of the Wall Street Journal. To the, to the opinion. Okay, nothing. All right. So talk to us about uh, where does this letter come from? You're watching the same events that we that we yeah. watch. You're 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 uh, you're watching Russia v Ukraine, and uh, and and what is in your head. Um, what do you see that, make, that makes that. that makes you right? I'm watching that. I'm listening to you, right? And what mm. I'm seeing is, uh, I'm not seeing my, I'm not seeing our leadership, our, our our Biden administration. I'm not seeing that leadership moving fast enough. Um, astounding! It was private business that was actually quicker with the sanctions than the administration was, than 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 the government sector was. And, you know, I, I don't think that I didn't think that was possible. But, you know, the, some of these big multinationals <clears throat> suspended in uh, operations in Russia before, you know, we even had sanctions up. Well, I mean, true to I mean, you, what you say, I mean, I don't think at any at any juncture of all of this, uh, the Biden administration has been out in front of anything. No, um, right. Now, I, I will say this. I think we've gone lockstep with our allies so i don't know to what extent uh, someday somebody will write a post-mortem about this uh was that deliberate i mean did they have a hand in that um because i think that's a good thing i don't know if we should give them high marks or if they had anything to do with it or if he's just slow and other people drug us there so i i don't i don't really know what to make out of this but your observation is valid I, th- I think he's dra- I think he's dragged into it. I think he's going as slow as he can. Then you, you know you have the MIG thing when Blinken says, "Yeah, yeah, we gave him the green light," and then all of a sudden, no, no, you know, and again. So regardless how you feel about the MIGs, these guys are moving slow. 
what I see in this is the same thing I the same thing I would look for. Okay, we'll talk about the human suffering, anon. Okay, in a minute. <clears throat> but what I see is the same thing I'd look for as an investor. I see chaos, but I see tremendous opportunity here. Right? I see these people are getting killed. All right, you know. Their, their lives are being uprooted. They're losing their homes, right? All that beautiful old architecture is getting hit, right? Yeah. The country is probably set back $100 billion so far. That's if it stopped today, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, making that up is going to be unbelievably hard. You got the, you, it's a breadbasket for uh, Europe, you know, the huge wheat crop, huge, you know, corn, all that stuff. That's going to get screwed up because they can't harvest the winter wheat, they can't, uh, you know, plant season comes up in like three weeks. They can't plant the corn, right? Um, this little prick has got the biggest country in the world, and now he's he needs more land, right, for some reason. Well, you can say, well, <clears throat> you know, Ukraine and Russia have been going back and forth since Catherine the Great, and, you know, you'd be right. But what I see here, and uh, I, I think, I, I wish my leader saw it, is the opportunity you guys hit it when you said he's already strengthened NATO. Okay. Right. Big plus. Right. right? Um, you're seeing leadership with this guy, Zelensky. It's amazing. You had an actor, comedian, who's now the, the, the world's greatest leader. And we have a president that, you know, is what he is. He's a career politician. He's now an, act, an actor and a comedian. You got, I said to my nephew, I was talking to him on the phone. I said, you're, you're lucky to see a guy like Zelensky in your lifetime. You know, they, they just don't come every day. I, the guy is magnificent, what he's doing. He's on the phone calling U.S. companies to tell them to stop doing business in uh, Russia. All right. He was with a lot of them doing that. He's a real hustler. And the guy is a terrific salesman. <clears throat> so, you know, we have an opportunity here because China's watching this man. And, and you know, we're worried about Taiwan and we should be right if we can show something here, China's going to be less inclined to, you know, take liberties with, with Taiwan. I think everybody knows that. Right. Right. And I, I just wish that, uh, you know, our country was moving a little faster. Okay. So in your letter, you, um, Will and I took issue with your, your example of, um, uh, Nixon in 1973 Israel versus Egypt, uh, Soviet Union. So it's essentially a proxy war going on. Uh, and so Will and I said, we don't really think that's an apples to apples comparison because, my, and I'll, I'll quote myself, Russia v. Ukraine is an existential event for Putin where Egypt versus Israel was not existential for, was it Brezhnev at the time? Well, yeah, it was. Who, 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 who was? <clears throat> it, who, was Bre it was Brezhnev. Okay, was first Brezhnev. of all, you got to realize this was right in the middle of detente. Right. Okay, Nixon. So, so anyway, started? so I, I, I want to give you the opportunity because, because uh, yeah. again, let, let me just say for those of you who don't know, uh, tremendous respect among us uh, for Kirk. He's a he's a thought. He's a well thought guy. He's a well written guy. He's an articulate guy. And so, um, I wanted to find a way to get him on with the the other three of us, but um, that. I don't know that I can wire that. Um, I'm working on it, but so I, I thought I would just have him come on and give him the opportunity to footnote um, to a to defend his 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 example and b um, make any comment he wanted to make relative to the um, 
the the letter that you wrote now just quick aside did did do they edit your letter yes they did they edited the crap out of it yeah i didn't and well i guess i guess i guess they have to right if they're going to shorten it to put it in their publication right it's a space thing and whatever and you know i i i said my first line in the original letter was uh escalation hysteria is the new covid all right and they changed that to escalation hysteria is here right but when i wrote that letter all i was hearing on tv and whatnot pardon me was escalate escalate oh this is an escalation all right well don't escalate don't don't you know i'm like come on we just had covid now you're gonna escalate us you know enough's enough Right. I didn't like that being foisted on Americans. I didn't like the fact that the media was trying to sell us that if you say the wrong thing to a crazy guy like Putin or whatever, you know, you're going to step over that line and he's going to go absolutely berserk and reach for the switch. I didn't like that. Right. Because I I don't think it's true. Number one, the guy's not going to do it. All right. Because he knows it's the end of Russian civilization if he does. Number Number two, he's got people on his staff. I can't believe that they would let him do that, right? It, 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 Putin, Putin doesn't just push the switch. It's like in the United States. There's a whole series of things that has to take place before you can launch a, you know, a nuclear weapon. Now, a tactical nuke, you know, you talk about later. But that was the first thing that offended me. I don't think that the proper way to approach this is to walk on eggshells. I really don't because those guys don't do it. Okay, they're thugs, right? And you treat a thug like another thug. It's that simple. Right. You know, this bullshit that, oh, well, you know, don't make them mad. You never know what it'll do. You know, did you ever have your lunch money stolen by a bully? No. Right? No. The worst thing you can do is give it to them, right? Because you'll, you'll have to give it to them every day. Right. What you have to do is you either have to give him enough of a fight, even if you lose, to, you know, make it not in his to to discourage him from wanting to do it again, right? Either that or get every other kid in the schoolyard to help you, right? right? And, you know, I believe that's the way to treat him. That's the way Nixon treated North Vietnam, right? He started in 69 with the pullouts. Finally, he increased the bombing, right? And he got our POWs home and he... You know, they were farting around. They would, didn't want to talk. And finally, uh, you know, in the last 11 days, I'm no fan of John McCain, but if you read his book, the last chapter about how bad the bombing was for the North Vietnamese, they were deserting and going to Wallow. Okay. They were going to the Hanoi Hilton right. to, to, to escape the bombing because they knew we wouldn't bomb it. Right. right? So <clears throat> that's Nixon knew how to treat a dictator. Nixon had just stroked Brezhnev with this detente thing. And a lot of Nixon's uh supporters didn't like it he they thought he was taking a much too easy line with brezhnev and uh now you know it was working he contained them and their and the relations relaxed a year later they start this horseshit with syria and egypt okay back in syria and egypt okay golda Meir is desperate she's calling for help and nobody wants to help she arms uh something like 20 megaton warheads on Jericho missiles and planes, right? right. And she said, and she's serious about using it. Now she makes a big show because she wants the whole world to see it, right? And I thought that was great, right? She's saying, look, if we lose, we're taking a lot of Syrians and Egyptians with me, right? And Nixon was advised not to help 
uh, Israel. Kissinger, you know, jumped up and down. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, the Russians will take it the wrong way. His generals have now Nixon's going to help him. This is right in the middle of detente, right in the middle of Watergate. He's got problems up to his ass with Watergate, right? Fighting them off, right? But he says, no, they, our European allies won't even let us fly over their countries. So Nixon makes a deal with uh, Portugal to land and stage aircraft in the Azores. And he sends them everything but the kitchen sink, including 100 F-4s, right? And uh, those planes, I, I read reports, those planes landed, okay, and were so hot. The guys were putting the Star David, you know, insignias on them mm-hmm. and jumping in them and just going. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, he really turned it around for him because, you know, Israel was on the ropes. There wouldn't even be an Israel if it wasn't for Nixon for what he did during that time right now. I'm convinced of it, right? But it's it's kind of a... Nobody really speaks about it, you know, because, you know, the Vogue thing at that time was to hate Nixon. So anyhow, I use that as an example because Nixon knew how to treat thugs. He understood them for what they were. Right. That, yeah, you know, you, and Nixon opened up Russia. He opened up China. But, you know, he, he never lost his belief that uh, you, you you couldn't trust them in any way. Right. That they uh, the only way to to to. to you know, have a relationship with those peoples to have the upper hand uh, as far as strength goes. And I believe that, yeah, Putin's got nukes. So do we. And he knows it. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I now you guys have discussed Putin using a tactical nuke. That's very possible. And, you know, our reaction to that, I think, would be critical. But he's not the first guy to think about using a tactical nuke. We were going to use one of Kaysan. Did you know that? No. All right. They had, we could never mask the North Vietnamese enough to use something like that on them. But Quezon did. They had be- between 20 and 40,000 NVA, you know, in the vicinity of Quezon. And it was the first time they had that many in one place. And they were thinking, and the United States was thinking of using tactical nuke then. Turns out they didn't, obviously for the bad PR. But, um, you know, they were able to, accomplish the same outcome with uh, you know conventional stuff so talk to me about how your letter to the editor gets tweaked and and what do you want people to know um about your thoughts relative to your initial intent for your letter i'm i'm no strategist you guys you know kenny will we're not, you know, we're not uh, either. Tim, well, you guys know a hundred times more about tactics and infantry stuff. Cause I was a, like a two year in and out guy, right? You stayed in You were officers, you know, more about that stuff. The only thing I know more than you is just experience because I've been alive a little bit longer. I'm 67. Right. And mm-hmm. I have experience watching our people against the Russians, you know, face to face with the Russians, face to face with the Chinese, face to face with the North Vietnamese. And these people you know, they only understand you when you come from, they only listen when you come from a position of strength. So my point is that we should take the lead, all right, to, to give Ukraine every possible thing that it needs, all right, and encourage our allies to do the same thing and not have to be dragged into it. Okay, so let me ask you, so so when we mm-hmm. make, when we, when we say, okay, to, um, 
to 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 fairy dust their their nuclear weapons right risks um nuclear war what do you yeah. say, what do you say and, and here's and, here's, here, okay. here's my reply putin goes i've notified my you know nuclear team or whatever whatever he calls here's my it. reply so have i now what and you're willing to do that for a nation so what's your motivation to do that we don't it's not in our the ukraine you think it ends with you think it ends with ukraine so what do you think the next act is with china what do you think the next act is with iran when they get a nuke right after after iran has a nuclear uh uh you know bomb you're going to wish for putin again god knows who they're going to give it to all right. So everybody that whispers that I have a nuke and I've alerted my nuclear team, we're all supposed to, oh, gee, watch what you do. Oh, bullshit, man. Not for me. So now we've we've so the world we live in today get comfortable yeah. with with the possibility of a nuclear exchange. Because unless the possibility, the possibility, the end of civilization, just like our grandfathers lived with the fact that if they didn't stop you know, the, the the Japanese and the Germans, that we were going to be dominated by them. Uh, Hitler wasn't going to stop in, in Russia if he won. He had plans to come to the United States. He had to divide it up, right? They didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Okay, so give me, so the American national interest in, the, in, in Ukraine is um, almost... I, I and I don't want to be facetious. It has less to do. All right. I, I don't want to be facetious view, I when to, I say this, yeah. but but it's like the domino theory relative to if if you allow Putin to hold up the world and destroy a nation right. uh, with the threat of his nuclear weapons, China will do that with Taiwan. Iran will do that relative to the Middle East. North Korea will do that relative to the Korean peninsula and you will not be able to stop it and this is a chance to send a message saying that we're not having it yeah in a nutshell yeah also in the next 20 30 years more and more countries are going to have nuclear capability right and they're not going to be you know western quote civilized countries right they're going to be some really nut regimes so you know a position of trying to get along with those kinds of uh, countries and those kinds of regimes, uh, I, I can't see how that would work, right? I think I'm looking at this Ukraine thing, man. I want to help those people, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen refugees. I saw Vietnamese refugees. It's a, you've seen it, mm-hmm. right? It's the saddest thing you ever want to see. People losing their homes. That's shitty. You know, it is the worst. It's worse than seeing dead, uh, you know, soldiers in a way, right? Right. <clears throat> And I want to do everything I can for those people, but I'm playing this thing for us, right? I'm playing this thing for the free world, right? I'm in for the long haul, all right? So that is that is the intent of my letter. And if Nixon was alive today, okay, and still advising presidents, as he did, you know, he, invi- he advised right. Clinton on foreign affairs, right? right? He, was, he was brilliant. Right. He was flawless. At foreign, foreign, foreign stuff. All right, he'd be telling you, I think, pretty much the same thing. All right, there's no dealing with these people other than from a position of strength. 
look, all kinds of positives can come out of this, right? In 1960, we spent 9% of the GDP on defense, right? During the Reagan years, it was 6%. Right. Now it's 3%. So at the minimum, it should double, right. right? At the very minimum. And other countries are going to realize this too, all right? So there's a lot. We just got, you know, terrible... Uh, you know, PR from Afghanistan. Nope. I think that led to uh, that. I think that emboldened, uh, you know, Putin in a lot of ways and will embolden, uh, you know, other enemies that we'll have. We got to We got to shake that off the same way we shook off the Vietnam stigma with the 1991 uh, Gulf War, the first Gulf War. Right. I never would live to see the day when I was working in Manhattan then, and a parade comes down. Right. Honoring the serviceman. Are you kidding me? Is this the same country? Right. They were spitting on those guys, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago. No, I'm, I'm wrong. Fifteen years ago. Yeah, it was longer than that. But yeah, but you were Sorry. rolling. Are you, you were rolling. I didn't really want to say anything. That's right. <laughs> All, All right. right I'm done. No. <laughs> no. Um, so the end state. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, Putin. Does as as this thing ends, yeah. give me an end state for Russia v Ukraine, because now what Putin? you what you see now is Russia adu- moving additional forces. Right. He he can't lose, right? He knows that. Up to whoa, whoa, whoa! He, up to what seventy, eighty percent of his forces now? I'm I'm here are committed. Is that accurate? Well, I the last I read was all the forces he massed on the border have now been yeah. committed. Right. right. And so, so what, what we're talking about now yeah. is um, our force, additional forces uh, that, that were not originally committed are now being sent to the region. Right. Right. They're all getting poured into that cauldron. All right. right. Is that 75 percent of his? I, I, I saw the first uh, you know, podcast of those Russians that they captured the very first days of the invasion. I couldn't believe how unmilitary those guys looked. Yeah. You know, they just look like the most unsquared away guys you ever want to see. So they're obviously just, you know, the dregs that he dug up. I kind of suspected he'd keep his best guys in reserve guarding him in Russia, right? And so let's say he commits 75% of his forces. Let's say we can reduce them, all right? That's not the worst thing in the world for the United States, right? All right? To take one of your major allies... And you know, destroy about half their army. That's not too bad. No, and we don't have to. We don't have to risk one American life to do it. <laughs> does what else you want? Does uh, in in the end state as you see it is is Putin still in charge of Russia? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Come on, I, you're, I would, you're being a podcast expert right now. You can't play the I don't know card. Like what the fuck? Come on, you guys say I don't know from time to time. You just, you just, you just, just camouflage. Really I well. shit on Timmy for doing that all the time, so I'm not oh, going to let well, you get away. Oh well, it could be this. On the other hand, it could be that. <laughs> and you know, you know, you guys are pretty good at that too. I don't know what the end game is as far as regime change, but you know, that would be just swell. But when you reduce somebody's, uh, you know, armaments like that, I don't believe he can't lose. Right? I, the guy's such a gangster. Right. If Al, Capone, if Al Capone lost all his money, you think he's going to stop being a gangster and say, oh, you know, I'm going to kill myself because I'm so humiliated now. All right. Lucky Luciano, they're just going to go somewhere else and do the same thing. So, I, I, you know, I see him more as a thug. 
I see the guy as a gangster. I believe that's what communism is. Well, there's supposed to be a federation. It's like communism, right? Right, right, right. Where you, the people, the few people at the top live like, you know, pharaohs and everybody else lives like, you know, dogs. Right. Communism. And he sh yeah, they shake down the general population. This guy and G have made themselves, you know, presidents forever, right? What a gig, huh? Yeah. What a gig if you can get it. The, it's um, good work. Yeah. All right. Um, I ask, I ask, I ask uh, the other three this, I'll ask you, what's the next thing that you're looking for as you observe this thing? Because you, you tons, tons of arms, tons. Kenny made a good statement the other day. He goes, the, the, the railroads are still working, right? The infrastructure right. is still in place. Musk got a lot of that Starlink satellites up. So these people have internet, you know, right. they know what's going on, right? Hopefully the Russians will get some propaganda to the good side now. I understand there's a Radio Free Europe now, like that old CIA operation. So right. maybe you get some, right. you know, dissent back, uh, you know, down home there. Uh, you know, I look for tons of arms coming in. Give them the MIGs, even if they cut them up, like in the Wall Street Journal, use them. I, I was reading it today. So they can cannibalize them, use them for parts. Fine. Any damn thing. Because it's PR, too, right? Every damn thing. And then we give the, the American aircraft to Poland, who deserves it for all the refuse you're giving to these people. I mean, they're doing a hell of a job, you know? They got to offload some of them to, you know, other countries. I hope a lot of them come here. They're the only ones that have a real, you know, asylum case as far as I'm concerned, right? That's spoken as a Texan. Yeah. There you go. First of all, Ken, um, we we'll have to do this again sometime. We'll have to get you on with everybody else, and and right. uh, and uh, I uh, thoroughly, first of all, thoroughly enjoyed uh, the conversation, and uh, and we'll do this again. I pre all right. I, I always, I mean, this to me is is is, and, and again, I don't. If that's how you define the American interest, then what you say is absolutely logical. And that's to me, that to me is a test of it. So, uh, so thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming sure on All, All Marine Radio. Okay. And again, uh, you know, you've you've been a great supporter, and uh, you know, and, and often articulate, you know, emails and things like that about things you don't agree with or or, or points and and just. Well, want, I love I love what you're you doing. doing. I love what you guys are doing, and uh, it's great. I wish they would have had it when I was in the Marine Corps, or you know, just soon out. And it gives the guys in there, you know, something to listen to that's really no bullshit, and it's, you know. I like it. Got so it. keep it up. Keep up the good work. You got good guys. All right, man. Thank you very much. All right, thanks. All right, see you, Kurt. Bye now. Mm -hmm. That'll do it on a Tuesday. You know, that's why this job is such a cool job, honestly. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'd only heard about Kurt from Jeff Kenny, and uh, you know you read emails and then you get a chance to it's the first time he and I have ever sat down and talked at length and you just get to meet somebody who's just a great guy you know well thought well spoken well read obviously well written in his case and uh, <clears throat> no it's just very cool experience uh, you know the people that you get to meet um, you know that share great concern for the country and um, and you know as, a, as I reflect on my thoughts you know 
And I think my thoughts and Will's thoughts are pretty close together on this. I think what we do is we we might differ slightly on our approach where um, some people would play the, the MIG card quicker than I would, right? And I think that's maybe a style uh, event. It's not a substance event because really what you're getting to is is he's right in that there's there's a bigger fight that's going on here against totalitarian assholes and I mean they get themselves in a position to run a country them and their fucking gangster buddies and then the free world fights these shitheads and so the whole concept of nuclear proliferation and how we deal with this pretty big deal and and i hope that's the conversation that you know as president biden heads to europe to huddle with the heads of state of europe that look this is not going to be the last time we stare down a nuclear power and what we have to do is we have to show them that without firing a nuclear weapon, we will destroy them. We will make you North Korea, if that's what you want to be. And they have to be united in that, and they've got to do it. They've got to, Russia's got to be wrecked. The people of Russia are going to pay, and people may say, oh, you know, I hate to see that. Yes, we all do. But I'll tell you what, that's the card that has to get played. So when you do stare them down, whether it's over the the MIGs, that they'll use the pretense of, oh, well, that's an offensive capability, therefore I'm activating my nuclear forces. And then Kirk's right. Then, you know, the West has to say, all right, we will activate ours. And you, I guess you stare that down. And now with the advent of, you know, smaller tactical, nuclear weapons it's not Armageddon it only, it's only Armageddon if you're underneath one of those nukes for the rest of us life goes on but I think the point is you're going to get to that point and again I, I think the and the West has to be able to stand up for that So anyway, my thanks to Kirk for coming on today. And, uh, you know, it's an important discussion, the nuance of escalation. Um, yeah, and, and again, the high-stake games of that. And again, the thing that I find most irritating with this fucking dictator, God almighty, man. All right, on that note, thanks for listening today. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. You know, I just found out that the, the live feed had was screwed up yesterday. So for that, I apologize. I don't Something happened in, in the software uh, that hosts the streaming feed. 
So I had to do a little brain wrestling and figure out what the problem was. But I did. Yeah. So anyway, if I can help you, if I can help somebody that's struggling, let me know. I'm Mike McNamara. Later. Later.